We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Advancing into week 16, what happened in NFL week 15 that we haven't talked about and much more. That's what we're talking about today on Road of His Overtime. Sean, I thought we'd started off in a slightly humorous approach here for us today. We we did, thankfully, we talked about at the end of the Monday show, potential scare that would have took a couple of crazy scenarios for us not to advance in that Superflex contest that we referenced on that show. But that team did advance. So we're excited about that. Sean mentioned his team with Ben. That had DeAndre Swift left to go. Maybe not the scores that we were hoping with DeAndre Swift for that lineup, but still in a very healthy position in the main event. So, Sean, yourself, and yourself, yourself and Ben, along with some of the other teams, in, in pretty good shape as we enter week two. We were we were joking before the show started. You always want more, and I think for people listening to the show on Monday, they may have kind of got the feeling that maybe I was being a little bit too greedy as I sit here in hindsight and I'm looking at you know the highest scoring teams of the week in the main event and. How our team finished. Did you get some feedback that like if our team had the most points that it scored all year, that you shouldn't be complaining? Probably in that kind of uh, vein of uh, commentary, yeah. So I, I do feel as I've stepped away from the situation. Um, yeah, I feel a little bit better about it, Sean, as the the dust settles. But it felt like we could be in uh, that first overall spot, and that's not where we currently sit. But looking forward to this coming week, and of course. The holiday weeks are here, you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or something else, hopefully it's a, a nice time for you. And if you don't celebrate any, anything, you can celebrate NFL week 16 as you head towards the fantasy football playoffs. So lots going on. Shout out to all the listeners out there who also advance teams in some of the big contests like BBM4. Some listeners getting in touch, Sean, with you that have advanced 10 tickets through. I also have Tom Strachan, who does some amazing basketball content and looks at all the different you know, scenarios for all the contests in terms of the payouts and advances and so on. But he, Sean, drafted with us in the OT Listener League. That team has advanced through and his for the, the Superflex contest as well. So those pods not set up at the time of recording, but who knows, maybe we'll face off with Tom again in that because he, he really, truly crushed us in that Listener League. So looking forward to seeing how everyone does over the, the next couple of days. But Sean, the one thing that we do want to take a note of is the Reanimator series. We started the Reanimators this offseason, took over a team over at the FFPC in the Rotoviz Triflex format. 
that team was going very very strong until justin jefferson got injured it has had some trials and tribulations over that time but we felt we were still set up pretty strong heading into the playoffs we're in a pretty good spot as we move through sunday but unfortunately we were looking for 24 points from swift and that we just didn't get over the line on monday night football with that and and with that all bearing in mind that team has slipped up but the one thing i wanted to mention is to tie two things together our main event final last week that we were beaten by one of the ot listeners we faced off on that and sean put out a challenge to the fantasy gods let's just say in that one with our buddy deandre hopkins and and hopkins in fairness the week before that had put up five for 75 and a touchdown but we didn't think sean that he was going seven for 124 and a touchdown and particularly not in the last two drives of that particular contest and that was what done us in in our main event final but he is one of our reanimators players sean and we were thinking maybe maybe he uh, gets us through this week but unfortunately the tennessee titans who had a huge win against the Miami Dolphins last week on Monday Night Football. Lose in overtime to the Houston Texans and, and Hopkins. Nine targets, two receptions, 21 yards. So I mentioned there a moment ago, we were hoping for 24 from DeAndre Swift, but most of that was because we got absolutely nothing from uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So two weeks in a row, maybe the fantasy gods were just sending to Sean. Don't ever test this again with DeAndre Hopkins, but we didn't get uh, over the line. But in terms of that contest, pretty interesting game overall trail on Berkshawn flashed a couple of times in a three targets three receptions 62 yards 37 the longest reception Taji Spears involved again in the run game nine for 30 for him 16 rush attempts over Derrick Henry just the nine car or yards on that they really did struggle in the run game Sean combined 30 attempts for 66 yards which is not great Noah Brown eight for 82 and a touchdown on that side and then we also get Devin Singletary 26 carries 121 yards did get in the end zone at the end but it was called back for a holding penalty which probably would have took him up to the 150-ish yard marker and a touchdown which would have been a big day he had four for 49 on five targets as well one other note in the Sean two of the craziest plays were you know certain interceptions that turned into um not interceptions i guess completions to wide receivers and tight ends dalton schultz has a catch that set up fourth and goal a terrible decision by case keenum to throw it and then he somehow came down with it and chris moore in overtime had a similar play that continued a drive there but the one scary note that i'll mention in this game as well is will levis thankfully since the game seems to be a a relatively minor injury for him but he gets bent up very badly in this late in the contest and i, I was scared that this was a a long long-term injury so thankfully that wasn't the case but sean i just wanted to start the show with i think it can be a humorous note for people listening and i know i know our listeners the best in the main event they'll be laughing but maybe i i don't know if they had him in the, the main event lineup this week in the chase so i i haven't been in touch about that but yeah tricky one here with uh, deandre hopkins two weeks in a row being the, the cause of our pain and when you pull up blair's wrong read article and you're looking through some of the advanced stats and how this matchup works it's not one that the tennessee titans should have struggled with Colin, I, i've gotten great joy from this whole deal when you and i were talking about it yesterday we were pointing out <laughs> the back-to-back performances and the way that they worked you went with that, and then you dropped a, a pretty aggressive. And I, I've never heard. I mean, we obviously don't curse on the show, and or just like in our 
discourse back and forth. And so to have that be the first time that I'd heard something like that from you, I mean, I, I may have laughed for minutes straight. It, it was very cathartic and I loved it. DeAndre Hopkins is our very grudgingly, right? But unfortunately, this team has not had the young receivers advance. Jerry Judy, we discussed the previous week, uh, you know, not getting the target volume that passing offense doesn't work, but when he has had chances, has not played well. I think you've got to say the same thing for George Pickens, who is in the lineup and again is in trouble this week for his flagrant lack of effort. I think if you want to embrace the weirdness of George Pickens, you want to embrace the personality. There are a lot of great things there, but it's just difficult to embrace laziness or an unwillingness to fight for your teammates. So that part on top of the poor performances is pretty frustrating. Jamison Williams has started to do some cool things, but doesn't have the volume you need to play. You mentioned Will Levis getting rolled up. Jamison Williams had a scary tackle in this game but also appears to be okay. So that's very exciting. If you're a Lions fan, even though it doesn't actually look like he's going to be a fantasy relevant player for a while, maybe not ever, which would be tough considering where he was drafted, but he is starting to do some things for them in reality that force the defense to account. And that's making the guys that were heavily invested in and Goff and Gibbs and Laporta and Amand Ross St. Brown, it's helping them because when you have someone that fast, and this is something where you're looking at teams like the Patriots, like the Chiefs, like the Panthers, and you know why are they struggling in different areas? You know why does Mac Jones get benched? Why is Bryce Young having you know a cataclysmic rookie season? It's like I mean you need to help those guys out to have a Lions team where a Jamison Williams can just be a niche performer. Just it really draws that contrast into very stark relief and then we have quentin johnson who does score at the end of garbage time and i actually still have some decent hopes for him but we do want to understand what the trajectory is there it's on to sort of a Traylon burks rashad bateman type of trajectory i don't think it's you know to the level of a of sky more but it would be nice if johnson scored some at the end so when you've got some of those guys on your bench deandre hopkins is going to be in the lineup I said I wasn't scared of him. I'm also never going to expect in 2023 to be carried by him. The rest of our guys need to score, and they did not. Colm, you mentioned the rushing performances in this game with Ty J. Spears and Derrick Henry. Again, just some great notes if you know you get a chance each week to peruse Blair's work. This is a team in the Texans that came in. Best in the league in rushing fantasy points over expectation allowed. So if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, that's relevant to you. You're looking at it from a reality perspective, trying to mix those types of things to get a full feel. They were second best in rushing success rate and yards before contact allowed. And so one of the things you're thinking there, it does help defensively to not let the guy get started, right? So this Houston Texans team has been very difficult to run on. The Titans found that out in a big way in this particular game. It made them one-dimensional. And despite the heroic performance at the end of the Dolphins game, Will Levis is a long way from being able to carry a team like this, where on top of everything else, I think that you know you want to be open-minded about what he actually has as weapons. DeAndre Hopkins does play well in a couple games stretch there, weeks 13, 14, but I mean, certainly not peak Hopkins in any way, shape, or form. This is not just because he's had poor quarterback play in a weird offense 
And then Traylon Burks flashing at the beginning, Colin. It's so exciting to see him catch that 37-yard pass early. You're thinking it's unlikely, but it's not impossible that at any given moment we start to see the breakout happening. You think about some of the things that did happen this week that were very exciting, where James Cook had been on the way to this, but then has I mean, his coming out party in just such a massive way. You think about Ty Chandler, somebody who in his you know bits and pieces of opportunity to this point in the season had still like very visibly with the eye test looked better than alexander madison but hits in a huge way which i mean i, I had a, a nice note from pat this morning saying that the team that he and i drafted with eric bind on his marathon drafts uh back on 718 that that team had advanced to BBM semifinals, which was very exciting. I mean, it's just, it's always cool to see that. And the running backs who scored in that lineup this week were Chuba Hubbard and Ty Chandler. As we talk about all the time, I mean, it just takes the one perfectly timed performance if the rest of the team works, right? I mean, if Ty Chandler was the only back you had of any meaningful value, then you were dead in the water a long time ago. But it's great to have that type of player there I really thought that the team that Ben and I had that advanced was actually going to have Traylon Burks in the starting lineup this week until we finally got another receiver performance that did put him onto the bench. But yeah, I have Traylon Burks teams live. I would love to see them have a better performance next week. The Titans, even with the way things are gone, and I think that for fantasy managers, it's easy to think of Quentin Johnston, Traylon Burks, and be like, these guys are done. They didn't help us. They are busts for their reality teams. There is a huge incentive to see what you have there and to try and develop those two players before this season ends. I mean, you have to know what you have, but also it can't just be evaluation. It needs to be player development because if you don't have those two guys, then these teams are set back even further than they already are. I think there's just some very mild reason for optimism. We want to be realistic because we do know that first-round wide receivers who become stars tend to be pretty good right away. And yet, I mean, there's there are those flashes. Traylon Burks and Quentin Johnston have very few wide receivers who match up to what they can do physically. The NFL is evolving into a league where smaller receivers have some specific advantages, and you've got to be able to get out there and catch the ball. I'm still optimistic. I want to see what these guys do. And if nothing else, one big play. Colin, you and I were joking. It didn't turn out to be the difference because his value over the next closest player on the bench was, you know, only tenths of points. But Quentin Johnson was in our lineup for that super flex team this week. So maybe he can get to 15 in this upcoming weekend. We get some Easton stick to Quentin Johnston. We'll see what we get, Sean. But uh, yeah, you never know which players and the, I've mentioned this on a lot of these shows recently is when you get to this point, you just want to see how many players you have available and you never know which one of those may be the one to get you over the line because in weeks where a player goes off the likes of uh, Christian McCaffrey this week, sometimes it's just about having those other 10 points to get you over the line at the end of it. So yeah, Quentin Johnson getting us over the line there. Sean, looking at Monday Night Football, JSN and Drew Locke got the Seattle Seahawks over the line in that one. This was one where coming in, Jalen Hurts 
seemed like he a lot of quite quarterback questions coming into this one i guess jalen hurts obviously with the illness and he plays drew lock geno smith also active late late questions as to who was actually going to be playing a quarterback for the seahawks in this one drew lock does play 208 passing yards one touchdown 22 of 33 the highlight play the touchdown to jsn which was his fourth reception on four targets for 48 yards and a touchdown that was a 29 yard reception for him i had a lot of people reaching out prior to monday night football to say they were hoping for certain things from jsn obviously on the wider range of skills there they may not have got those teams over the line but i'm hoping that listeners out there would have got some positive results based on jsn's performance and this one a nice catch from him but the star sean of this for the seahawks i think has to be kenneth walker 19 carries 86 yards one touchdown also three for 26 off three targets in the receiving game we are fast approaching the holiday season we're always looking for the perfect gifts for those near and dear to us our families and friends and what could be better than a ticket to a live event we're heading towards the crucial weeks of the nfl season and there's so much sports going on but there's also concerts comedy theater so many other things that you can go and get a ticket to this time of year can be stressful looking for tickets getting the best price the best seats trying to figure everything out to have the best experience but it doesn't have to be like that because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have they have exclusive flash deals they have the game time guarantee which means you'll always get the best price if you find a ticket in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference buying tickets in a matter of seconds two taps on their app and you're set so whether it's for a gift or whether it's just to treat yourself this holiday season snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account use the code rotoviz for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem the code rotoviz for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Then on the other side, I've seen some people, Sean, posting memes today on Twitter. I know we say this or X, whatever people want to call it at this point. Sean's not going to see them, and I should have taken a, uh, you know, a screenshot and shared it with you, Sean. Joking about DeAndre Swift not getting in the end zone, and it was half a face of Jalen Hurts and half a face of Jamal Williams. Is he haunted at the one-yard line? Well, Carl, everything was going so well, and then you bring up those two things in concert. I had kind of buried 
those Jamal Williams memories, that is absolutely brutal. I, if you if you think about like every time if he gets tackled if he gets tackled inside the five over the last two seasons, the amount of potential touchdowns left on the board. And you know when you're looking at this game, you're thinking about how are the other running backs going to get involved, and it will. You know, Gainwell has six carries to his 18, and Swift ran really well, I thought, in this one. But, you know, Swift has three targets, two receptions for the one yard. Gainwell, one target. So he is, again, leading this backfield. But we had talked about the potential positive stretch here, and I think this is one of Swift's best performances. But it feels like they are still underutilizing him in a a huge way. I think there should be more targets going his way. And I think when he's get like, at the moment, there's, there's rush attempts where I think that he is almost you know on the the potential read option style plays where he could get the ball or, or hurts gets it and i think the threat of swift is what's opening up hurts whereas you would have thought it would have been the other way around the threat of hurts potentially going on the edge would have opened up it for swift we talked about this last week as well with the eagles and potentially you know losing their identity a little bit here you know after this game kind of concerning comments from jalen hurts uh, and his press conference talking about the team possibly not being committed enough and you know things like that when you're 10 and 4 at one point you know one of the favorites for the the number one seed there's a lot of concerns with what we're expecting from the eagles moving forward we get 10 targets for aj brown but five for 56 going his way we get five targets for Devonte smith five for 50 and then with hertz you know 17 of 31 143 passing yards two interceptions no passing touchdowns one of those interceptions at the very end of the game obviously very questionable he does get in with the the two short rushing touchdowns he has 82 yards on the ground but from a passing perspective this team is struggling quite a bit and outside of the run game there's there's not a huge amount happening over the last couple of weeks here yeah so much really to unpack in this particular game and you know, you mentioned the comments about the team not being committed enough. There, I think, are some real concerns about coaching here. And usually when a team is as good as the Philadelphia Eagles were last year, and they were very, very good, and they're good on both sides of the ball, and they have playmakers on both sides of the ball, and the coordinators leave, you're thinking to yourself, and this can go a lot of different directions, but there's a big difference from being a coordinator and being the top guy. And my belief is that in most of these situations, the top guy is the person who makes it all go. And so it doesn't mean the coordinators can't go somewhere and be very good. Mike McDaniel has been astonishing. A lot of the coaches in that tree have done a great job. By contrast, a lot of the guys in the Andy Reid group, in the Bill Belichick group, maybe not quite as much. There are different things going on here, and you're not going to just paint with a broad brush and say, you know, generally speaking, this is how it works, this is how it doesn't work. But when we look at what's happened with the Eagles this season, and you think about how well the Colts have played despite losing Anthony Richardson early, you think about how hard the Cardinals have played And I mean, the Cardinals have a lot of problems, but I think if you watch what they've done this season, I mean, if Kyler Murray were actually a franchise quarterback, then that team would be in great shape going forward. The contrast here where they make a change on the defensive side. And again, you know, I think there's are some elements of scapegoating. We talked about that a little bit with Buffalo, even though 
you know, Buffalo obviously very happy with the way things have gone the last couple of weeks. But you have that defensive coordinator change or play caller change, I should say. But on the offensive side here, even though the Eagles are still an effective offense, the fact that you have a game where Jalen Hurts is throwing for fewer than 150 yards, he's averaging less than five yards per attempt, he's got a couple of picks with no touchdown passes, and this is against a terrible, terrible Seattle Seahawks defense. They're terrible against the run. They're terrible against the pass. And when you – I mean, look at this performance now. It's not great weather, and it's not a situation where Jalen Hurts is as healthy as he wants to be. But if he's talking about teammates not being committed as he's playing through an illness – I mean, again, it raises a lot of red flags, but I think that structurally is where I probably have the biggest issue because you mentioned you have a lot of these carries to DeAndre Swift, and yet they don't appear to be opening the holes for him in the same way that they have at times. Now, some of the, the carries are especially impressive. You get down there around the 20, you have this gaping chasm. He runs through it. He doesn't quite get in. We know that he's going to get tackled repeatedly at the one-yard line. You know, if you put together Raheem Mostert's touchdowns and then on the other side of the ledger or the other side of the scales, so you can just put the number of times that Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Swift are tackled at the one. Those two things will balance out. But that's not the problem with the Eagles offense, right? The problem with the Eagles offense is that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are not able to make an impact against the Seattle secondary. You have Dallas Goddard. He's involved a little bit early and then that goes away, catches fewer than half of his targets. Never what you want to see from him. The passing offense, and this is something against the Chiefs, where the Chiefs, I thought, had played a fantastic defensive game and really limited them. Everything was horizontal. The Chiefs blow that game at the end. You're thinking, well, it's a, not a great way for that to have gone for Kansas City, but it is against the Eagles. Now that game is starting to look like a bad loss, right? And all of the red flags that we see on Monday night were evident there, where they can't do anything other than horizontal passing or these prayers down the field you see the prayer pass at the end where you've got timeouts how is the middle of the field not being used on that play it's mind-boggling what the eagles did you go and you watch the replays and it's not just that he has that pass to aj brown there there is no attempt to get anyone open over the middle it feels like that if they're in control of the game they're happy because they can run either the running backs or Jalen Hurts, and they can continue to kind of salt the game away. But when it's a case where they're behind and they have to go to more of a pass approach, and this wasn't even a situation, like obviously that's just in the final drive. But if you look throughout the, the last number of games in terms of there's one passing touchdown in the last three games, now they did face the Cowboys and the 49ers before this. But it, it's, not, it's not just that it's one game or two games. This is a consistent trend of them really struggling in the passing game. And they have to find answers. I mean, that last pass, number one, the pass was definitely incomplete. And it has to be overturned. You have the angle from the back that shows the foot not down. There's nothing like flying up. It has to be overturned. Officiate these games correctly. This would have been so much fun if they have another play. Hopefully they run something that makes some sense. They kick a field goal. You go to overtime. You get some more JSN. Would love to see all of that. But this is a, a prayer pass into double coverage where, I mean, almost best case scenario is just that you don't throw an interception. 
So we need to see more creativity. We need to see much better offensive scheme from the Eagles. You can't be in a situation where you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift, and have that captained by Jalen Hurts and have a bad offense, which is what they currently have. And to your point as well, you have to attack. Most of the <laughs> messages that I've gotten about that game are about the final drive before that, where they show no respect for the Seattle Seahawks. You've got DeAndre Swift sliding down. I mean, you just need to pick up another first down, but the intensity and the intent of the play calls there doesn't really go in that direction. They're playing not to lose in those situations. Well, and just, I think you have to have a respect for, number one, you have to have a belief in yourself. Number two, you have to have a respect for the opponent. Drew Locke did not play a good game. I would kind of guess this will be the last game that Drew Locke ever starts in the NFL. Now, I mean, part of that obviously is going to have to do with just how healthy Gino can actually get as we go down the stretch here. But similar to the situation with the Dolphins last week, and you're facing Will Levis, and you're thinking, I mean, this guy simply cannot play. One of the elements of NFL games that Ben and I especially talk about consistently on Stealing Pinnis, but just it's a game of possessions, and there aren't that many. And there are so many ramifications of that. But one of them is that just because you stopped a guy previously in that game doesn't mean that you're going to stop him in the future because you actually haven't stopped him that many times to that point that you could be that confident that he can't do anything. I mean, this is a team that has Kenneth Walker shredding your defense. It has DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Tyler Lockett really hasn't done much for a while, and he did very little in this game. He only catches three of his nine targets for 21 yards. If you had him going on monday night then that's going to be very frustrating but when you have metcalf and jsn offsetting each other and doing very different things but doing them well one player just a mammoth physical mismatch the other one with lateral agility in that christian mccaffrey range these guys have the same three cone time it's it's overconfidence if you think that even a bad quarterback can't beat your bad defense when I mean, they've got to go for it. There's not going to be, let's sit back and punt and wait for the Eagles to make mistakes. I mean, that's the possession where everything either happens or it doesn't. And we get to see the JSN play. You'd have loved to see him do more before that in the game. This was a situation in which he had the number one ranking among all receivers this week in our passing matchup rater. You can see that in Dave Cabin's article every week. Dave has some fantastic graphics in that article. So if you know, that appeals to you or just having visuals that are appealing and really help you kind of go through, understand, you know, how you might want to do start sit. Colin, we talked about that for our start sit show, certainly relevant for DFS, relevant for some other types of contests. FFPC and underdog have fun contest each week where you can put together different types of teams or um, make your claim for certain types of performances in the game. The tools are are so good for that. You would have loved to have him more involved before that point, but like the touchdown that he dropped, like a couple of the passes that Geno Smith has missed, and then you have this one. You go back and you watch the Utah Bowl game a couple of years ago where Jackson Smith and Jigba goes for over 300 yards. Now, you know, I joked that his quarterback in that game was C.J. Stroud, who can make anybody look superhuman or at least can make the specific guys he's had who are good players make look very very good so maybe this is almost exclusively a cj stroud type of phenomenon but i mean jsn has made these plays in the past gets open great grabs in the corner of the end zone 
this isn't just a touchdown. I mean, this is a play very difficult to actually haul that ball in, get both feet down and or get that knee down before you're sliding out of bounds. Impressed with it. Again, we're very biased on JSN with the hype that we've given him, the number of teams we've drafted with him, the fact that we need him to you know, get performing like this. Some listeners are going to still have some JSN te- teams live. And so this performance, pretty exciting. In that column, I just one little note to put our chasing stolen bananas team has almost been like this long-term troll that the team has done for us and so for at the end of monday night football in week 15 for him to catch the long touchdown and to put that team to 209 points when obviously it just missed the run that's why it really put a bow on top of that whole experience but again you're not complaining about 209 points that was pretty exciting we'll see if it can win the consolation bracket column the consolation i believe the grand prize there is twenty five hundred dollars that's money you can spend. Moving on now, Sean, to a game. I find it quite interesting. I felt like both teams were struggling to try and win this. It was 7-7 at the half. It's the Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns. I was doing some notes during this game, and I was like, Joe Flacco, the magic has disappeared. And then he finishes the game with 374 yards and two touchdowns. Does have three interceptions, four sacks for 31 yards. So there's lots of stuff, I think, in this game that you would take that would go along with what you would expect with Joe Flacco at this point of his career and what would have happened with him at other points of his career as well. But there is certain plays, Sean, in this, including a 51-yard touchdown to Amari Cooper, where, you know, when you're looking at some of the, the quarterbacks in the league now, they're not trying, you know, we're talking about the being aggressive and, and trying to push and score. There, there's plays that Joe Flacco is making where it feels like it's just a case of like, yeah, I don't care if I never play again after this. He's just going to make the the play. He's out there having fun. Two of those led to touchdowns in this. One of them to David Njoku, who, you no, know, it looks like he's, will I throw this away? Will I throw this away? Maybe I'll throw it away now. Oh, wait a minute. I'll just try and throw it to David Njoku, who gets his feet down at the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, but the Amari Cooper one, obviously there's a broken play in terms of the defensive side of things, but throws the ball way before Amari Cooper ever is in vision of where the the ball is going to be that takes cooper to four for 109 on eight targets with that touchdown but david and joku sean i think has been the real bright spot off this offense particularly since flacco has come in 14 targets 10 receptions 104 yards one touchdown he is kind of feels like he's fulfilling the potential that he had for a, a long long time that we thought that maybe would never be realized and, and he's been very impressive anyone playing in regular formats with scoring like this is going to be happy with Njoku's performance but anyone that is playing in tight end premium is uh, seeing some really great stuff from him he scored double digit points in PPR formats over his last nine and all but one of his last nine games sorry um, and has really dominated in terms of target shares there outside of the rest of the roster we have Jerome Ford at five targets we have Cedric Tillman with eight targets but Njoko and Cooper the main focus here and this one nothing on the ground 18 carries for 29 yards for the Cleveland Browns Justin Fields O'Shawn 19 of 40 166 one touchdown two interceptions in my opinion both of these interceptions are incomplete uh, both of them on Hail Mary passes one at the end of the first half one at the end of the second the one at the end of the second has to be a touchdown and it, it should be a touchdown and somehow it ends up bouncing up to be ruled an interception after that particular point a pretty crazy play so the bears could have actually came away with the win here the bears 27 attempts in the ground 88 yards rushing struggling there d 
BJ Moore with a relatively quiet day, four for 52, and nothing else really happening around the passing game. I said a Cole Komet did get in the end zone. He has five receptions for 23 yards on seven targets and that touchdown. Robert Tonyan, Sean, has one target in this game, which would have been a long, long touchdown, has a terrible, terrible drop. You know, when I say terrible, it is terrible in capital letters. Uh, but the Bears lose this game in a game I really feel like they should have won. They give up 13 points in the fourth quarter. They were leading 17-7 to prior to that. They do not score in the, thir- or the fourth quarter. I guess we just have to say Joe Flacco is... Joe Flacco, the new gunslinger. Joe Flacco, gunslinger. Yeah, I I love to watch him play because the arm strength is so crazy. He throws those 50-yard passes like they are absolutely nothing. And also, you get the impression that, as you mentioned, he's not concerned. He's not He's not playing for his career, Colin. He's playing for fun. He's playing for the season. You hope he's playing for his teammates, and he's playing extremely well. And so that part is a lot of fun. Say well. I mean, they score a couple of times at the end of this game to win. Generally speaking, the Chicago Bears defense, which has been on the rise since they made those trades trades that you referenced, has played extremely well. This game featured a ton of possessions when we're talking about that. And so that is going to help with the opportunity to come to the rescue like he does. It is a game that starts with a punt, 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 an interception. And then we finally get a couple of touchdowns there before we finish punt, punt, interception. And as you mentioned, that interception just in the first half is in complete. I guess I'm not yeah, sure how the, the, I also didn't the second one that, could be yeah. incomplete, Colin. That one appeared to never be particularly close to the ground. But as you say, just really unfortunate for Darnell Mooney. We like Mooney, and he's struggled to find a role this year behind DJ Moore and Cole Komet. Fields really needs him for this offense to take that next step because one of the things that does happen is that once they get up 17-7, to 7, then we're back in the situation where they go punt, downs, punt, 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 and then the Hail Mary interception, and those punt drives, not long. And so you're not able to finish the game off despite having the rushing quarterback, despite having three interesting running backs. It's tricky, Colin, when you're trying to decide how you want to deploy these guys when you think you do have three players who can play Deontay Foreman has had a good season, but he rushes for negative six yards on the six carries in this one. You have Khalil Herbert, who has been very good. One of the things that I talked about after they signed Foreman was that that would give them, I believe, two of the top five or top six players in the 2022 yards over expected on a per carry basis. So you have guys who were very efficient the previous season, and then they go and they draft Rashawn Johnson on top of that. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome in this particular game, although Cleveland's rush defense had been in free fall coming into it. But when you're trying to get three different guys involved, it's hard for me as a an outsider to see how that's going to optimize these guys getting into a rhythm. I think that Roshan can play. I think that Herbert can play. I think that Foreman can play. I don't think the answer is to try and get all three of them involved in the same game. 
Okay, the overall offensive output here from Chicago is disappointing. One of the scores to get to that 17 points is on a pick six that obviously goes against Joe Flacco, but also underlines the ineffectiveness of the Bears in this particular game on the offensive side. I think that Amari Cooper has tended to be an overrated reality and fantasy player over the last several seasons, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player. And when you look at what he's able to do when they have a quarterback who can throw the ball a little bit, he's got a 51-yard touchdown in this game where, yeah, I mean, there are some defensive breakdowns. He shouldn't be able to have that much after the catch without the Bears being able to get the angle, do something to stop him. And yet again, when you have that flexibility, when you have a quarterback who can open up that part of the offense. There's just so much more that you can do. And then we really have to talk about David Njoku, who's been absolutely awesome since the beginning of week eight. And one of the things here, you know, looking at that, Trey McBride, Sam Laporta have been the you know, absolute and utter dominators in that stretch. TJ Hawkinson, the third guy there. But David Njoku comes in fourth. And that might be a little bit surprising to some people because during that stretch, this Cleveland Browns offense has not been particularly sexy, right? So he's doing some impressive things despite context. Over the last two games, he hits 20 points in consecutive performances this particular game, and they need every single yard of this to win this game. So it's a new career high with 14 targets. He gains 100 receiving yards for only the second time. We've talked about patience with someone like a Ty Chandler. We've talked about patience with JSN. We're hoping that patience pays off for players like Quentin Johnson and Traylon Burks. You obviously have the situation with Trey McBride where you had to work through his relative lack of production last year until week 17 and then the slow start this year. Then he blows up. David Njoku, even a little bit more of an exaggerated version of this where he does come in, he's extremely athletic. He's a high pick. He performs all right through his first couple of seasons, but year three, year four are disasters. He looks like he's done. He bounces back and has a couple of good years, but now in year seven, he's having what I would consider a true breakout. Now he was drafted in the middle rounds this year based on a solid season a year ago. And the fact that you're going to always have people who are kind of chasing that performance to get somebody. And generally speaking to get a warm body. And I don't mean that, as pejoratively as it sounds to get a, a player in that range, you could score some points for you and it's not extremely expensive. It makes some logical sense, but it's not something that usually pays off in fantasy. The breakout that he is in the middle of right now and the performances that we're getting from Njoku are difference making. He is a star. He's a fantasy weapon and it'd be great to see him continue this with Joe Flacco as the Browns make their push. One other little note, you know, I've been a Mari Cooper skeptic. I do think that he makes sense at the end of the underdog playoff tournaments right now where you need guys who are going to be in the playoffs. You need guys who have legitimate upside to round out the roster. You're thinking about, you know, what team could be a sleeper to play in round two. You're thinking about how that can offset some of the NFC side that you've built early on. You need a receiving weapon probably as opposed to blowing it on a running back who is not going to help you or is going to get eliminated or doesn't fit your build 
Cooper, somebody who is interesting at the end of those drafts. Final game we're t- going to talk about today, Sean, is the Cincinnati-Minnesota game. Now, this game obviously happened time-wise a little while ago, but I think there's enough highlights in it to head on. And one of those, that obviously the biggest highlight, was the T. Higgins second touchdown grab where he extends it over the goal line. One of the one of my favorite plays of the season so far, he goes four for 61 and two touchdowns on eight targets. Jamar Chase gets banged up in this one, has four targets, four for 64 for him really spread around Sean throughout the entire rest of the offense there's 12 different players in this contest with at least one target and there's 10 of them with two or more so the ball really spread around that was because Jake Brown had 42 pass attempts completed 29 of them 324 yards two touchdowns one interception for him pretty solid day Joe Mixon gets in the end zone with a rushing touchdown 10 for 47 and one on his side Chase Brown a little bit quieter than we had seen him with his splash plays over the last couple of weeks, but still looking pretty solid. On the other side, Sean Ty Chandler, obviously somebody who, if he got into your lineups over the last week or so in baseball, he had a, a big impact there without Madison there. And it sounds like it's going to be at least 50-50 or pretty close to it moving forward. Chandler showed a lot more, Sean, in the, the rush game than we had seen with Madison, as we've talked about in some of the past shows this season. He had 23 attempts, 132 yards rushing, one rushing touchdown and uh also had three for 25 on four targets in the passing game quieter day as well for tj hawkinson justin jefferson back in with 10 targets seven receptions for 84 but jordan addison and maybe it is a case that you know jefferson being out there might have helped addison a little bit in terms of what coverages and so on he was seeing rather than when he wasn't there that is actually funny note the draft sean that we did that has advanced as a just or a jordan addison anti chandler team but when i was setting it up to repost it for thursday so this is a spoiler for the listeners it will be coming out on thursday that edition of that draft bad news for us sean is each time i've posted one of the drafts so far over the last three weeks those teams have failed to advance or have lost in those contests so maybe i shouldn't post it but the note on jordan addison that i mentioned there is i did mention that having justin jefferson across from him will probably be one of the better landing spots for him and the nfl this season when we made that pick but he goes six targets six receptions 111 and two touchdowns so an extremely efficient day for him lots sean to talk about in this game which way do you want to take it i'll let you decide the players is it t higgins is it jordan addison or is it ty chandler well addison has had a really interesting season where he hasn't necessarily looked that dynamic or generated a huge number of targets. He's sitting at a 19% target share with the Vikings, and yet he's fourth in the NFL in touchdowns, and he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. I continue to think that this is such a similar situation to Calvin Ridley emerging underneath Julio Jones. And the criticism of him and the touchdowns being unsustainable. And if you're thinking, yeah, I mean, Addison is not going to catch touchdowns on this high a percentage of his receptions in the future. That is almost certainly accurate. And yet we know from, I would say we know logically, we know what the reasoning is for him scoring and why those types of things manifest in the way that they do and what that probably means for the future. But we also know from Blair's research that this is a very promising sign for what the player is going to do later. It doesn't have to all be about yards per route. 
It doesn't all have to be about the number of targets in the short term that you can earn. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but Blair's research has demonstrated to us that those elements, because they have predictiveness and because they get so much attention, they actually are overdrafted in fantasy. And that's the thing we're trying to do, right? We're trying to win fantasy contests. So that doesn't have a ton of relevance to you right now as you're not drafting for next year yet. Although Colin, we will be soon. <laughs> the, but it does matter in terms of how we see Addison. And I love the fact that he's such a weapon for them right now. This Minnesota Vikings team, and this is similar to a number of games we've seen recently where if the Vikings had Kirk Cousins, if the Vikings had been luckier at the end of this one, if they had been able to finish this game off, they would be an interesting team going forward because when you have addison jefferson hawkinson again that's a trio that very few teams can match up with and as soon as you move from alexander madison to ty chandler now you have explosiveness instead of someone who's dragging down your offense this game was very similar because the chase brown effect where suddenly you have some speed to offset what you're doing in the passing game the ty chandler effect where suddenly you have some speed to offset what you're doing on offense the rest of the way there it completely changes how defenses have to look at you because, yes, Joe Mixon and Alexander Madison are going to break some tackles. They're not going to go down on first contact, but they're not going to stress a defense in any way, shape, or form. And like Isaiah Pacheco with the Chiefs, for example, the more that you use them, the better that is for the opponent. Once you have some playmaking ability, then there is some excitement. It's sort of the reverse of what we have with the very sad Keaton Mitchell injury, where our thesis yesterday was that that is going to very negatively impact what the Ravens can do going forward. I'm excited about this Minnesota team. I think the future for them is very bright. I think the coaching staff is fantastic. It's too bad that injuries have put them in an unfortunate place for this season. But Colin, that's what everybody's dealing with. That's what the Bengals are dealing with. They get to eight and six. They're on a run with Jake Browning, even though Burrow is out. And I mean, Chase hasn't been healthy. It's been a really frustrating season if you played through the Bengals. Colin, Pete, and I were rejoicing because our team against the team got through. Which the the bizarre nature of some of the teams that had success this week. I mean, the the team that Pete and I advanced was a team that started Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> You're probably wondering what universe it is that that team advanced. Well, it's this universe. It turns out T. Higgins column. I'm you don't even get frustrated by it anymore because it seems inevitable. There were two plays in this game where you think you've got a long reception and then upon review, you realize, oh, well, he actually didn't catch that. And so you've lost about 60 yards early in the game because he fails to make catches. He seems to be the only player in the NFL that if he puts his finger on another player as well, it's offensive pass interference. Any contact of any kind, always offensive pass interference against T. Higgins. And at some point, you would think that maybe he would stop like touching guys on the shoulder like they're buddies. You know, it's very gentle even. And then the officials are like, no, no, don't do that. So maybe he'll stop that. Maybe he'll start catching passes. And I say maybe. He did. He made two touchdown catches in this game. And the second one is going to Incredible. go down in you know the archives Sean, you, you mentioned the highlight reels that i don't know yesterday's you know, show what... about odell beckham and that catch gets shown over and over again i think this is this will fall into a this will be in highlight packages perennially perennially moving forward well and i mean 
the Odo Beckham catch, that was the only way he could have possibly done that. It was one of the greatest catches of all time, maybe the greatest catch. I mentioned that it spawned a lot of situations where players will go up with one hand. This has been one of my frustrations with Quentin Johnson, where I mean you've got to get your other hand up there. The T. Higgins play is a great play. And again, not that the Odo Beckham one wasn't, it was what he had to do, but this is a play where everything about it is to win the game for his team. We see over and over and over again every Sunday situations in which players and teams get down to the one-yard line, don't get in. I mean, the Javante Williams one, where he doesn't get um, in and they don't get the points that they need. We didn't mention Higgins this getting over the game. line on this game defined the game. We we didn't mention this in the Packers game yesterday, but there is the long touchdown to Moore in that where he is approaching the goal line and there is a Packers player making a real effort to get back to knock the ball out. And he kind of, as he's going over the line, does the thing where he's like extending his hands out. And the Packers player does knock the ball out, but there was no definitive angle to show that it was before it had crossed the plane. And that's kind of the opposite. Like, get in the end zone and then celebrate rather than celebrate before. And we have seen that in the past where the ball has got knocked out. But like Higgins' play here, the effort, and I mentioned like the football IQ to to attempt to do it. Spectacular play. It's kind of one of those things that it's it's hard to put in the ability showing from both talent, physical, and mental to make that play happen without somebody actually just watching the play it's easier to show them the play than to try and i don't think words can do it justice to how impressive it was yeah and listeners will have seen it but we just still want to praise it to yeah to the end there it was just fantastic. next question and, sean on t higgins t higgins is one of my favorite players and with that comes a lot of keep... pain a lot of pain <laughs> are you gonna keep <laughs> drafting him next year i mean he has more or less broken me even with Every time you're like, here. I'm going to leave it here. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I liked him too much. Maybe it's going to be that, you know, I was wrong. And then this happens. He's like this season, he, he has had multiple 20-point games this season, but then he has games where he's on the sideline and they say after the game that he's active but not healthy enough to play. <laughs> There's all these things with T. Higgins over the last two seasons. But then you just get these amazing performances. Can he just be either good or bad? Can he, can he pick which one he wants to be? And you know you're in for the long term, right? Because as soon as you have gotten as many seasons with as high exposure as we've gotten, you can never be out. Because you can never be sitting there saying, I didn't draft him the season where he went 1717. Right? When he has that 100-yard a game, one touchdown-a-game season... If you didn't have exposure in that season, you would never forgive yourself. You'd probably never play fantasy again. So we're kind of we're kind of tied to T. Higgins, unfortunately, for emotional and psychological reasons. What are we going to do, Sean, if we get a situation where T. Higgins ends up on the Houston Texans? 101. 101. <laughs> Here we go, baby. <laughs> please, uh, for any listeners listening at this point of the show, if that does happen, please try to keep us in check over the draft season in 2024 but it would be exciting for off season yeah. t higgins signs with the kansas city chiefs oh yeah there's a lot Patrick of homes yeah. and t higgins go 101 and 102 
yeah we'll probably get a terrible landing spot sean that crushes all our hopes and dreams that can happen in free agency as well but that is going to bring us to the end of this episode we will be back with our friday edition of rotoviz ot we will let you know on friday what our plans are beyond uh, with the holidays and so on so uh, the easiest way to get all those shows when they're available is to subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed you'll get them once they are out like i mentioned on thursday anytime there's a bonus show it will pop up in your feed so all that content coming your way you can also check out sean's monday piece it is available now on rotaviz.com i will link it in today's show notes that is going to wrap us up as we head into week 16 basically the semi-finals of all formats across the fantasy football industry so whatever you're playing in good luck this week my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over tomorrow my co-host is sean siegel until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and road of his radio please rate and review the road of his radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at road of his radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at road of his radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to road of his with a discount through the road of his radio homepage road of forward slash podcast